You're listening to Ari Snapshots, where each fortnight we chat about the science behind the weeds and decode some of the trickier concepts which crop up. Today on RE Snapshots, we're going to be focusing on our latest RE Insight, which is going to be published over the next few days. It's called Crops Are Doing It For Themselves, written by Cindy Benjamin, and it looks at work around crop competition out of Charles Sturt University. The main project is led by Professor Leslie Weston at CSU and Associate Professor Dr Chris Preston at the University of Adelaide, and they investigate several aspects of crop competition. The RE Insight delves into just one set of experiments within the broader project that investigated the impact of crop cultivar on in-crop and post-harvest weed suppression. And today we're chatting with Leslie Weston, who will give an overview of this important work. So firstly, Leslie, how are you going? Great. Thanks so much, Jess. It's good to catch up with you. It's looking like a pretty good season in Wagga after a pretty severe drought. We've been a bit delayed in some cases with planting, but things are looking pretty green right now. That's great to hear. Now, Leslie, the work you've been doing has built on important earlier crop competition work done by Greg Grabetsky, Deidre Lamel and others. Can you give us a brief overview of how you've built on this work? Yes, when we designed this project, we wanted to use information, background information, to enhance the experimentation to ask more specifically what are the mechanisms associated with the weed suppression that's been observed. So in order to do this, we added additional replication in the experiments. We used more than one site, multi-sites over multiple years. So we've had four years of experimentation or more. We've used a greater diversity of both traditional and commercial cereals. In this case, we're focusing a lot on wheat. So we've used traditional heritage as well as diverse genetics from the four main families to have a look at. And we focused to choose a selected group of plants or the ones that have been most and least suppressive to really address the rhizosphere interactions below ground. So in this case, we wanted to look at the production of key metabolites, which might be contributing to weed suppression, and also look at the microbes that transform these chemicals to act as bioherbicides. It's really interesting, and your team has already had success in screening for competitive traits in wheat, which has already led to new wheat lines. Can you tell us a bit more about this process and what traits these new lines have which make them competitive with weeds? Yes, so certainly we've been working with CSIRO and Greg Rebetsky, who's been involved in wheat and cereal pre-breeding, and also Gurjeet Gill, who started this project with Greg numerous years ago. And here in Wagga, we've been trialing the newer cycle three to cycle six wheats, which have been selected for early vigor. And the traits that they possess have included wider leaf, rapid establishment, production of significant enhanced amounts of biomass, and also high yields. 
And we've been looking at them from the standpoint of weed suppression, looking at the mechanisms that these particular lines might use to suppress weeds. And Greg and I now advise Peter Hendricks, a new PhD student at CSU, and he's continuing the work to look at the role of below ground factors and root architecture on the weed suppression and productivity. So together we've worked to try to evaluate lines, which we're continuing with this uh, new student. And now we're really looking at the mechanisms below ground that are driving weed suppression as well. Yeah, it's very cool. And Leslie, you guys have also got a PhD candidate, James Mwendwa, on board, and he's doing some very interesting work too, including looking at the power of allelopathy, the crop plant's ability to produce herbicidal substances and exude them into the rhizosphere. How does this work and what's its potential? So James has just finished up his PhD and is now in the process of finishing all of his publications. And his work has found that there are a set of metabolites or chemicals produced by wheat, rye, and triticale and related cereal crops. And these compounds are called benzoxazolinones or benzoxazinoids. We call them BXs for short. And these are produced by wheat, rye, and triticale. Wheat tends to produce a bit less of these compounds than cereal rye, cicale cereal, and triticale. However, it does produce two key compounds called BOA, B-O-A, and MBOA, M-B-O-A. Those compounds are produced on the root surface and within the root, and they actually are exuded over time onto the surface of roots and into the plant rhizosphere surrounding the roots. So they make soil contact and they accumulate in the soil. They're fairly polar so that it could be leached out with excessive rainfall, but under normal circumstances, they accumulate in the rhizosphere. And once they're in the rhizosphere, they can also act upon suppression of germination of seedling weeds. So those would include small seeded grasses and small seeded broadleafs in particular. However, the interesting thing about these compounds, BOA and MBOA, is that there are a group of soil fungi and soil bacteria that can transform those compounds into another class of compounds called the phenoxazinones. That is, they chemically alter the structure of BOA and MBOA. And what happens is they're transformed to compounds that have a thousand-fold greater activity as bioherbicides. So the phenoxazinones are produced in Australian soils by the transformation of both the fungi and the soil bacteria present in the soil. And these are the compounds that James has been studying and finding here in Australia. Yeah, so interesting. And experiments have also been conducted by your team which identified a couple of wheat cultivars which stood out in their ability to suppress weeds without the support of pre-emergent or in-crop herbicides. What was found from looking more closely at these cultivars? 
Well, one of the things that we did, and people laughed at us initially, is we went back to the drawing board and we decided to study the heritage wheat cultivar federation. We picked this one in particular along with these genetically diverse commercial cultivars that represent the four key families behind the current wheat. And we wanted to compare heritage with the commercial cultivars because it was developed during a generation and which time there were no herbicides being used commercially for production. So all weed control was either occurring in crop or with physical or cultural mechanisms in crop. And so heritage cultivars like Federation are multi-purpose. They're rapidly growing, they establish vigorously, they're tall, they can occasionally lodge, but they do produce a lot of biomass. And what we noticed is that Federation was always our most effective weed suppressing cultivar compared to the commercial cultivars. And that's because it gets up early, it has a lot of early vigor, but it shades the soil surface because of its canopy architecture and eventually establishes fairly quickly by 100 days after planting a fairly closed canopy preventing light at the soil surface and possibly doing other things. When we compared the cultivars from these four diverse families, we identified other traits which were associated with them too that contributed to weed suppression. And these included, again, the formation of a closed canopy early in the season, high leaf area index, and production of good early biomass, a larger percentage of biomass than other cultivars might accumulate. Then going on from there, James continued to do his work on metabolic profiling in the soil rhizosphere. And we found that Federation, although consistently most weed suppressive over years and locations, wasn't as high in yield production, but in comparison to Condo and Jans, also very suppressive, it produced a more closed canopy early on. But Condo and Jans, two commercial cultivars, were also quite weed suppressive. And they had a moderate level of canopy closure compared to some of the other commercial cultivars that we trialed. In addition, both Federation, Jans, and Condo produced a higher level of these metabolites, BOA and MBOA, in and on their roots and then these were transformed to these significantly bioherbicidal compounds, the phenoxazinones. So these were three cultivars that were consistent in their suppression over years and over locations consistently yeah it's just so cool and what's really even more cool about this work is James actually was able to detect these certain chemicals in the roots and it's the first time that these chemicals have been detected in Australian soils isn't it yes it's true it's the first time that anybody's tried to detect them and we were fortunate in being able to work with a European lab to gain the standards that we needed to make these comparisons. We optimized our protocols to be able to perform metabolic profiling of 15 different compounds in the rhizosphere 
and these included the BX compounds as well as the microbially produced phenoxazinones. So it took quite a lot of work to optimize this protocol and now that we had it established we have standards of all these compounds we can actually quantitate their exact amounts in the plant and in the rhizosphere and so that's been really helpful in being able to follow this story below ground for the first time we can say for sure that we have the microbial microbiota present in our soils that allows this transformation process to occur. And not just in one set of soils, in two locations and over multiple years. And so if we can zoom out a bit and look at the, the bigger picture, what impact will these findings have on varieties of wheat and other potential other crop plants? Well, I think one of the things that we're very interested, both Greg Rebetsky and myself, in establishing is if we can harness this trait in terms of metabolite production to produce cultivars that have greater early vigor, which Greg is already doing, but can we also produce cultivars with early vigor that produce these bioherbicidal compounds that may further assist and drive this transformation process below ground so that they're critical for plant defense but also for weed suppression. So we believe that these compounds are produced not only for use in enhancing competition with weeds, but they also have impacts, many of them, on the ability of the plant to defend against insects and pathogens. So they're multi-purpose. So wouldn't it be exciting if we can genetically modify the presence and the amount of these compounds that are, are released by these plants to further assist in weed suppression? And given that there are more than one of these metabolites produced, the potential to develop herbicide resistance against them would be possibly significantly lower. The other thing that we're really interested is looking at other below ground root characteristics in terms of root architecture that might be involved in contributing to weed suppression and also that would be linked to increased productivity. So our student Peter Hendricks, who's working with both CSU and CSIRO, will be answering that question again in multi-year trials performed in four different locations. So we hope that you'll check back in with us in a few years and we'll have a few more answers about the root architectural impacts on weed suppression. We definitely will, Leslie. It's such an interesting and exciting space and, yeah, just so much potential there. So thank you so much for giving such a great comprehensive overview of the work that you've been doing and will continue to do. We really appreciate your time. Thanks again, Jess. I uh, look forward to catching up with you again in the future.